let it be. We continue tonight with our, with our preaching out of the book of Philippians. And tonight we're going to consider verse, in chapter 1, verses 27 to 30. 27 to 30. I, um, <clears throat> I so thank God to be able to, to, to be here. I mean, this is a wonderful time um, to be in church. I was kind of like thinking um, in these days, you know, it's getting cold and, and people are saying it's too cold. And I remember my first time here that I wanted winter to come because I never experienced the snow. And I remember that was in 1996. <laughs> and that year, you know, there was snow, and when it, I remember my first snowfall, it was so exciting coming from Costa Rica, coming from a country that we never see snow. I mean, I was outside, I was like playing in it and everything, and ever since then, I enjoyed the snow. So, if you're one of those people that are happy that it's cold and there is no snow this winter, I don't like you. I really rooted from now. Uh, I remember when I got here, uh, um, the, I was in Brooklyn. That's where I landed, in Brooklyn, on Eastern Parkway between Bedford and Rogers. Anybody here from Brooklyn, New York, or know the area? Okay, over there. Yeah, close to Prospect Park and Brooklyn Library. That was my neighborhood. And let me tell you, when I came here the first time, to, was in 1990. I was 20 years old. I went back home and said, I will never live in the United States because I live in New York. And to me, New York was so different than anything I ever known before that. New Yorkers are something else, huh? It's like a different type of people, a different vibe. I, I remember this story about, there were like three contractors. They went to um, um, this company and they were supposed to bid on some project. And as they were leaving, um, the guard asked them, you know, what they were doing and who, and who they were. They said, oh, we contractors, we're coming and see a project. So the guard just said, you know, there is a, like a fence, a little part of our fence that is broken. Why don't you see it and you include that? One contractor was from Florida, the other one was from Missouri, and the other guy was from New York. The guy from Florida went and took his measurements and looked at it and did a price. He said, well, I think I can do this project for $900. $400 in materials, $400 for my crew, and $100 profit for me. Then went the guy from Missouri. He did his measurements and take with his calculator and look at everything. And he turned around and said, I think I can do it for $700. 300 for materials, 300 for the crew, and 100 profit for me. The guy from New York was there and they asked him, and what about, uh, and, and, he, and he said, I'll do it for 2,700. The, the guard said, about 2,700? How you come up with that figure? You didn't even went and did your measurements or did nothing like the other guys. He said, easy. A thousand for me, a thousand for, for you, and we hired the guy from Missouri. <laughs> That's New York for you. I want to do something now that I, 
I need your participation. First of all, let's read our text. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 through 30. And we read... Only conduct yourself in a matter worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that when I come to see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by their opponents, which is sign of destruction for them, but a salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same comfort where you saw in me and now here to be in me. I'm going to put up two phrases on our, on our screen, which I'm going to want you to comment on. Oh, did I do that? Hold on. There you go. Pastor Lardy going to help me out. I'm going to read it. And I want you to tell me what you think about that. A bell buoy rings only during storms. The beating of the waves and the wind bring out the music that is within it. So too, so too do trials reveal what is inside a person. So too do trials reveal what is inside a person. What do you think? What do you think about that? Anybody? Not everybody at once, just one at a time. Okay, let's see. Oh, oh over here. So, so what I think of this is uh, when, when you proclaim or you, you say that you're a Christian or a believer, until you are tested and you're put in a situation where you have to exercise your faith, and that, that's when the true... Uh, self comes out when you put in a situation where it's a trial or or some some difficult situation and then what's really inside that's what comes out you don't have time to fake it or you know or or put up a front then uh but you can say all day i'm a christian i'm a believer until you put into trial then you'll really find out who's who ah very good very good you got to be tested until your faith is tested that you really know what is inside you. It's one, thing, it's one thing to say, I love you, I love you, I love you, until somebody hates you, and you have to demonstrate love to them. Anybody else? And this, and this um, statement. What about this one? Okay. Let me read it. Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visible, whether I am visible, deliver or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. Oswald Chambers said that he was a Scottish evangelist in the early 20th century, a Baptist evangelist. What do you think about that statement? Anybody on this side? What things can only be learned in the fiery furnace? You think? Back there. There you go. I think that uh, true faith can be learned 
um, through, through these, uh, through any trials. And uh, it just reminds me of um, the um, uh, part in Daniel where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the fire, and they say to the king, you know, whether, you know, you're going to put us to death or not or whatever, but um, he says that, um, you know, whether God delivers us or not, yeah. we still will not worship, you know, your, your idols. So, and they remain faithful. Thank you so much. Exactly. Remember, Sadra Mishabina, she mentioned it. They said, God can deliver us, but whether he does it or not, we will not bow to your idol. We're going to stick to our belief. Thank you. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, in the beginning of this chapter and throughout the entire letter, Paul is urges the Philippian people to live out their life, a life that reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants to see them working together in harmonious, in a cooperation, in, in a unity, and not be frightened when enemies oppose them. One of the things that we're going to see here is that the fact that anyone opposes them means that they're honoring God. Is the word a man is known by the friends he keeps, but is also known by the enemies he has. Is the world applaud you and the world going behind you? They, they, it got to be a problem. Is, you, is the world of friends with you? There's something going on there. Paul admonished the Philippians believers to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And he will explain that more in chapter 2. How to accomplish this. Having that same mindset of Jesus Christ um, in their life and within the church. He makes it clear that their suffering make them partners with him in the gospel. And their own witness, and their own witness is also declaring to others what they're really made of. Beginning in verse 27, he uses some military terms. Going back there, he says, only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affair that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We are fully accepted by God in Christ Jesus. We are fully accepted in him to be children of God. But as a church, Paul is telling them that unity is key in this battle for victory. Unity is key in order to push forward the cause of the gospel. Unity, one mind, one spirit, striving together, being in the battle shoulder to shoulder for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul desired for those who he loved and he would like to see again, whether he's there, he see them or be absent, that they will stand firm 
in their belief that it will complete and not be afraid of those who oppose them. You can imagine when he writing this and speaking to those believers in Philippi, those that were perhaps in the military, they were under Roman control. You can picture a, a Roman legion a, that is part of their army. Their strength of their empire was by the unity and the strength of their army. That's how they were able to advance. The church, God's army, can and will advance the gospel as it remains united as one. The devil know and the adversary know that division, as Napoleon said, divide and conquer. And for the church, for God's people, it won't be those attacks from outside, but will be those from within that can weaken our ability for the gospel. He tells them striving together and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. In nothing terrified. When you and I, when the church is doing God's work, there's going to be opposition. It's a given. If you at your work or either with family, if you are doing God's work, there will be opposition. There will be those that because they hate God, they hate the name of Christ, they hate anything that has to do with the gospel will come after, after you or after us. And Paul is telling them, don't be afraid of your adversaries. Don't be afraid of them. He gives them this, this, purpose, this perspective. This opposition from the adversaries was actually a sign of their destruction and a sign of a blessing for you. But because be able, to be able to be part partaker of the suffering of Jesus Christ, to be able to take part in that, you're actually being blessed. It's a privilege to suffer for Christ's sake. That's what he's telling them here. Of course, suffering is not something one's like to talk about or even experience. Who likes to suffer? I mean, I don't know you, but do you enjoy your trips to the dentist? Root canal, anyone? Of course not. Suffering is not something we enjoy or like to talk about or going through. And there are different types of suffering that one can experience in this life. Some suffering are self-inflicted because of disobedience. Some suffering are self-inflicted because of, you know, bad decision. But he's talking here specifically of suffering that come because of the gospel. Of suffering that come because of the advancements of the gospel. 
by striving together for the faith of, in the gospel, one courageously, they courageously resist their opponents. The Philippians are saved, he says, or delivered, actually is the word, from wasting their great opportunity of life. Think about this for a second. Why is it you're still, we are still here? What is the purpose for God allowing us to stay here? Why right after salvation he just didn't take us up? There is a reason why you're here. There's a purpose why you're here. God has a plan for you. And it goes far beyond that what usually uh, uh, contain and compel our, 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 our mind. Whether it is, you know, study or work or job or, or business and all these things. It goes go far beyond that. It has to do with the gospel. Because whether we believe it or not, or whether you believe it or not, once you're Christians, once you trusted Jesus, we're all part of the army of God. We're all part of his family. We all should be pushing together. And our number one goal is to what? Further the name of the Savior. By whatever means we get to do. So when you do that, and when we do that, and opposition arise. We got to look at our opponents, not as something negative, but actually opposition and adversaries for the name of, for the sake of Christ is actually a blessing. Is actually a blessing. If someone don't want to be friends with you, teenager, because you're a Christian and you have certain standards, it's actually a blessing. If someone don't want, don't want to visit your house anymore because you don't allow certain type of music or you don't watch certain type of movies or you don't like certain types of activity, it's actually a blessing. If someone is gossiping about you in, 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 in your workplace because they see you in your free time reading your Bible or you pray after, before your, your meal at lunchtime and they're gossiping and mocking you, it's actually a blessing. If someone is going after you because you're a Christian and they see you come to church on Sunday and they want to... to, to to, to do you wrong just for the cause because they can't stand the fact that you're a believer is actually a blessing. Opposition. Paul is telling them not only should they not fear them, but they should look at them as an opportunity to suffer for Christ's sake. Through this, they're being saved from complacency. And being allowed the great privilege to follow the example of Jesus Christ. It is so easy for us as believers in this age of comfort to fall into complacency and miss out in the opportunity to be like Jesus. Help it to challenge us. Help it to 
instruct us in what it was like for Paul and the other believers when they were going out and preaching the gospel and help us to renew our resolve to stand in the face of what persecution we have here, which is minimal in comparison, Lord. But Lord, we pray also for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria, Lord. Give them, their, give them your strength, your comfort. Lord, we thank you for the words of Paul that say, you know, to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is just such a small, small, infinitesimal part of eternity. Lord, help us to gain perspective. Be with our brothers and sisters, Lord. Give them courage, give them strength, and give them influence, Lord, that they can reach people and overcome the evil that is in their land. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Perspective in what God is doing and what he might also be able to do here with us. Living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please him in all that I do. Yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is the pathway of blessing for me. O Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee. For thou in thine atonement didst give thyself for me. I owe no other master, my heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. Living for Jesus, who died in my place, bearing on Calvary my sin and disgrace. Such love constrains me to answer his call, follow his leading and give him my all. O Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee, for thou in thine atonement didst give thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. Living for Jesus wherever I am, doing each duty in his holy name. Willing to suffer affliction and loss, deeming each trial a part of my cross. 
Oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee. For Thou in Thine atonement didst give Thyself for me. I owe no other master, my life shall be Thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for Thee alone. Living for Jesus. That is what he's telling the Philippians. Living for Jesus. Live for Jesus. That's why I was able to say whether I die or whether I live, I live for Jesus. To live is Jesus and to die is gain. That's where that comes from. That's where that principle comes from. That all was about Jesus living for him. Paul knew what he was talking about. Paul himself our experienced loss for the name of Jesus. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, if you would please, chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he lists a number of things that he have gone through for the sake of the gospel and for the name of Jesus. A number of things that he have gone through. I wish I could number things that I have gone through for the sake of the gospel. But here Paul listed, and he's writing into the Corinthians in the second letter, practically defending his ministry and defending his apostleship. And he said to them in chapter 11, well, you may, have, you, you may read all, 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 all chapter, but we're going to start in verse 21. Where we start listing, and he says, 2 Corinthians 11, 21, I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak, albeit wheresoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they minister of Christ? I speak as a fool, like being sarcastic here. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes, above measure, in prisons, more frequent, in debts, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I, forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the, in the sea, in perils among false veterans, in weariness and painfulness, in washings often, in hunger, in thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which come upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended? I am burned not. 
If I must need glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor and the Aretas, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison. Desires to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Go to verse 10 in chapter 12. It's summing up like, like, summing up like this. Verse 10 in chapter 12. Therefore I take pleasure. Listen to this. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Then I'm as strong. He said he take pleasure. He see it as a blessing. He see it as a badge of honor. He sees of a great opportunity, all this opposition, a great opportunity because he allows him and he will allow them, the Philippians, to suffer as Jesus suffered and that's a great blessing. In our modern day of, of convenience and, and comfort that those people in the ancient day couldn't even dream of, it is perhaps strange to think that we need to be saved from being comfort, from we, that we need to be saved from too much comfort. But we do. We do. Everyone, I like anybody else, enjoy comfort, but let me tell you, the comfort of this world are an illusion. They are an illusion. Number one, they're not eternal. Hello? We strive and we work and we do all these things and we invest for things that are not eternal. For things that can be taken away in a snap. God help us to be as diligent to put in as much effort into the things that are eternal. That will stand forever. Further down in chapter 3, Paul is going to talk about his loss. The thing that he, he said, his reputation, his, 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 his reputation, his money, his standing, all of those things he says. I have suffered the loss of all these things and consider them rubbish, garbage, an endurance to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Could you imagine no one here drop a tear when you got to put out the garbage. Anybody? Do you feel sad when you have to put out the garbage? I do sometimes when I'm in bed and warm and my wife reminds me tomorrow is garbage day. And I have to get out of bed and take it out. That's sad. And I know you men relate to that feeling. But we don't. Garbage 
which is garbage, we take it out. It's an endurance. And that's how Paul saw all this worldly fame and position and standing that he had in comparison of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and to suffer for his cause. He saw it as rubbish. And anything that is an endurance for the gospel in my life, in your life, is garbage and needs to get out. That's how we are to treat it. Whatever that may be. Paul views all his physical comfort, material possession, worldly reputation, credentials, and everything else he had that was taken away from him due his witness of Jesus Christ as trash. Such comforts are merely in the way of gaining the benefits. What benefit? The benefits to, of being a faithful witness of Jesus Christ. One of my... Um, we could put him on up there, please, Steve. One of my... personal heroes in mission work is this man called David Livingston. This man was a pioneer missionary to Africa. He walked over 29,000 miles. Walk. I travel that much, but by plane. I never walked that much. His wife died early in ministry he faced stiff opposition from his Scottish veteran. He ministered half blind during his years. He said, he said this, if a commission by a earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? For my own part, he said, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward in, health, in healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with the word sacrifice. Say rather it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger. Now and then, with foregoing of the common convenience and charities of this life, may, may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us, I never made a sacrifice. In his book, Through the Fire, Joseph Storrell writes an excerpt of his diary, of David Livingston's diary. Send me anywhere. Only go with me. Lay any burden on me. Only sustain me. Sever me from any tie but the tie that binds me to your service and to your heart. 
Living for Jesus, suffering for his namesake is no sacrifice. According to Paul, it's pleasure, it's a blessing, and it is a privilege. Folks, as we continue, let us determine, let us commit, let us ask the Lord to give us that heart and that mind to truly live for Jesus. As we think of the future, as we look to the future, live for Jesus. As we plan, live for Jesus. As we look at our jobs, live for Jesus. As we look into retirement, live for Jesus. And then life will really count for him. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, but we know you love us more. What a marvelous Savior you are that you look at our state and gave yourself for us. You really did the sacrifice. You really lost and forsake everything on our behalf. God, give us the strength. Give us that mind, that one mind, that one spirit, that attitude to, 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 to strive together as a church, but also, God, let us seek the opportunity to make an impact, not by our own, but by living for you, for your namesake. Thank you so much for giving us your word. Bless us this week. Keep us strong. Keep us firm. Keep us faithful. In Jesus' name. Amen.